ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me is my co-host. Hey, it's Drew. How you guys doing? And of course, we have our newest co-host on as well. She is cooler than Krennic's cape because I just watched Rogue One today and Krennic is awesome. It's Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey everyone, and as always, I will try so hard not to disappoint after these unrealistic <laughs> expectations. Hey, at least if you fail, you'll fail greatly. There you go. That's the plus. And this is a special episode because we actually have all of the Clashing Sabers contributors on this episode. Along with Drew and Lindsay, we have Mark. Mark, say hello. Hey guys. And making uh, and making her first appearance on the flagship show is our new Starships host, Adriana. Hello, hi. Hey. Hey. So this is <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We haven't yeah, had here. we haven't had every contributor on uh, an episode since since the solo since review. Solo. Yes, since solo. Oh, God, that was so long ago. Here now too. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's crazy. We're almost to our solo discussion on our, um, what you call it, our series that we're doing. I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> As we can tell. Um, so, Adriana, since it's your first time on the show, I'm going to throw this yes. to you. What are you Star Warsing lately? Um, I just recently went to uh, the book signing for Queen Shadow. Uh, and I got to see E.K. Johnston and Amy Ratcliffe, who also did uh, The Woman of the Galaxy. So I got those books signed. And I I haven't gotten through it, but I started Queen Shadow. So I'm really excited about that because I love Padme. She's probably one of my favorite characters, if not the favorite character. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, I'm, I'm living for all this content right now. There was someone else in the uh, in the audience there with you, wasn't there too? Oh yes! Oh, I yeah, I had um, I was really excited because uh, James Arnold Taylor was there and he does the voice of Obi Wan, so that was really cool. <coughs> had so oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. And uh, yeah, my cousin he actually got him to uh, say like he tried to make our other cousin jealous. Um, by having him say his name and all these cool phrases in Obi Wan's voice, it was oh, oh my god! It was it was pretty crazy. It was so surreal. I was like, oh my god! It, it's you have to make that yeah. your ringtone forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I I yeah, I need to because it's it's so hilarious, <laughs> and it's it's on the Facebook. If any anybody wants to see it on the Clashing Sabers, I posted it in there. Oh, excellent. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, There's somebody else in here who really likes Queen Shadow. And if you haven't listened to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, you don't know. Drew absolutely loves this book, which is like, I still can't get over that. Giving away the spoilers. I mean. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Come on now. I mean, you you liked a book. Uh, Hey. I'm going to tell everybody. uh, (laughs) You have a secret to keep. Drew likes something. Everyone (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I can't very, wait to hear it's this. It's odd, I know. It's a <laughs> yeah. Mark doesn't even know these things yet. Come on, hey. man. I'm I'm blown away. I'm blown away. How how am I going to keep my my cool, deeply sarcastic persona intact if you keep giving away all these secrets? I think you'll find a way. You always do. <sighs> Where there's a Drew, there's a way. Well, actually, I think I might be the only one in our group that is not reading Queen uh, Queen Shadow right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, even though I'm odd man out there, um, I have recently begun really, really enjoying resistance. And uh, in the beginning, I wasn't, I wasn't too keen on it. It was, it was pretty to look at, but it just wasn't grabbing me story wise. But these last few episodes, guys, have just been so good. Mm. And I don't want to give away spoilers, but if they continue on this on this path that they're on. Um, I'm going to be looking forward to every episode from here on out. Yeah, I feel like Resistance got its feet underneath it even quicker than Rebels did, which, if you know me, that's saying a lot. Um, those first few episodes are, are kind of kiddie, um, but this, that's also true in Rebels. But, man, the second half of the season is just... I watched Force Awakens again the other day, and after you watch, what is it called, uh, No Escape Part 1... The most recent yeah. episode, well, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be not the most recent episode, but part one of the finale, and you're never going to watch uh, watch Force Awakens the same way again. It's pretty compelling stuff. Wow. Drew, it is. I feel like they knew they had so much to prove right out the gate that they were like, you know what, we need to hit this hard right at the end to make sure we're keeping people involved, and they absolutely went for it the past few weeks. So I'm right there with you, Mark. I've been really enjoying it lately. Oh, oh, yeah. And uh, personally, I was kind of I'm glad that they went in and matched it up right away. I wasn't expecting it. So I think seeing it right away was like a good payoff. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, L Lindsay, like you said, nobody was really expecting anything out of the show. I think really the mistake that was made with this show was in the marketing and marketing it like a show about the racing which it's really not. Um, the racing is very much a side thing. Um, and, and I feel like they lost maybe some of the audience that would have jumped on and gotten more dedicated to it because of that. Because it really is... It's awesome. It's really good. Drew, where are, where are you at on Resistance? The last episode that I watched was uh, the episode five, episode number five. And I couldn't even tell you what happens. Um, it's been a long time since I've clicked back into that show, but I've, you guys are all saying the same things that I've heard and read online is that the end of it has seemed to really ramp up the involvement and how good it really is. So I mean, I'll have to start doing it again. Um, I'll add it back to the list, that's for sure. But I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that people are enjoying the way that the season is ending because we had kind of had we all I think we had high hopes for this one that it would would continue the same kind of quality and engagement that Rebels ended with. And the first few episodes, I don't think, really bore the fruit of that quite as well as we had all wanted it to. So to hear it ending up, I mean, that makes sense. Brandon, like you had said, Rebels kind of started off in a direction that it did not end in, which we we all thought was the positive, a positive change that it made. So I'm, I'm, I'll go back and, and continue it eventually uh, one of these days. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worth it. And I think for me, as as good as the show is the thing that really excites me as a huge animation fan 
is that even though Dave Filoni created this, he's not heading the day-to-day of this. And, and as far as I understand, he's not super involved in the direction of Resistance as a show, except for maybe like making sure it connects to other projects that they're doing as a part of the story group. But to me, it just shows that the system that has been created at Lucasfilm is one where creators are helping other creators to grow, where we can have people like Justin Ridge and, and everybody on Resistance step in to the leadership role and they've been groomed and they can take over take over that spot and continue to make awesome awesome content. You know, it's very much what George did with, with Dave Filoni himself and then Filoni passing that on. And to me, it's really inspiring that that's the culture there at Lucasfilm. And it's one of the main reasons that I think Star Wars will last forever is because, because of those things. So I went to Half Price Books the other day um, because I am want to do that. And I came across a... So if you don't know what Half Price Books is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a bookstore where you get books for half the price. They're used books. But I was looking... It's good marketing. It, it's really... It's very simple. Um, I I actually asked that question one time. I was like holding up a book and there was no sticker on it. I was like, how much is this one? And it's like half the cover price. <laughs> I really... I really hope there was a teenager behind the counter who looked like and pointed straight up at the side of them and was like, <laughs> I wish. Really, dude? That would have been great. That would have been great. But the, one of the books that I got did have a sticker on it because it was on the clearance section. And I don't know why it was on the clearance section because it is awesome. It is a little book about big things, Star Wars unauthorized trivia book. So I wanted to kind of bring this in to the beginning part of the show and try and see if oh, we can get these... Uh, random nuggets of of golden information because there's some things in here that like everyone is going to know as just like a hardcore star wars fan like for example uh luke skywalker's original name is luke starkiller is like the first one in there but i found this uh this little factoid very interesting the approximate number of star wars action figures sold from 1978 to 1986 alone so this would be just during the the original trilogy era. Do you guys want to venture a guess at how much, how many action figures were sold? Holy moly. Ah, uh, wow. Mm, 12 five million. million. Okay, I got 12 million. Drew, what'd you say? Drew's, Drew's going with five. Okay. Five million. Oh, Drew. Wait, five, five total or Price five? Price is right five? rules. Oh, Price is right rules. <laughs> Price is right. And do you have to go five million and one. I was going to do one. So we got five. We got twelve million. We're doing prices right. I won't be too scummy. I'm gonna say, let's see. It was seventy-eight to eighty-six, right? Yeah, original trilogy era. I will say seven million. All right, Adriana. I okay. Give me a minute because I was gonna say seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I'll be. I'll be the pessimist. I'll say three million. <laughs> okay. If you added up all of your answers and multiplied it by a lot, you would still not be close. 
Wow. 250 million action figures. No what? 250 million action figures, yes. That's now, like the population of the U.S. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. So that's the kind of stuff that this book has in here. So we'll be bringing that in to the show. What do you guys like? Because I'm not a huge like action figure collector in terms of like keeping it in the box and making it pristine and stuff like that. Like I get the the people who do that and, and especially the people that did that back in the day when they were keeping it. And, and now those figures are worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But like, what do you think it is about the action figures themselves in Star Wars that really connected with people? Mark, what do you, you were you were alive back then. What what was it like? What was the culture like? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a nice way of saying you're the old guy. Yeah, basically, that's what I'm getting at. Enlighten uh, us. Yeah, well, actually, there is a very good reason um, because this was the time before VHS, before DVDs, before streaming. So the only way that we had to relive these movies was to just play out these stories in our backyards. So action figures was just a way for us to to bring the movies into our homes. And today we take that for granted because we can have the movies on our phones, at work, it, everywhere. It, anywhere we go, we can watch the films, but that wasn't the case back then. So, yeah, having those figures around just allowed us to play out those stories again and again and again. And Star Wars is all about storytelling and kids' imagination. And that it was just tailor-made for, you know, my generation, for all kids. And I think that's why you have adults that still buy these toys. And they call them collectibles, but they're but they're toys. <laughs> they're toys at the end of the day. Uh but like the culture is changing now, right? Like, like you mentioned, we have so much at our fingertips now. So, Drew, from your point of view as a dad, like, how is that maybe changing um, how kids play Star Wars? Because your kids are, are kind of into Star Wars, right? Yeah, they they're they're moderately into it. They understand it. And they understand that you know I I like it a lot more. I think I like it a lot more than they do, obviously, but they do enjoy it. Um, uh, they. Uh, my seven-year-old really likes this is gonna it's kind of it's kind of bad it's bad parenting on my end but his favorite uh, star wars entity is the clone wars movie like where they put the first four episodes together into a film that's his favorite thing to watch for star wars which is crazy to me um (laughs) stinky the the hut is compelling (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what he likes is when he likes when Anakin is jumping from droid to droid and is just kind of like stabbing his lightsaber down through them. That that kind of action blows their minds a little bit, which is kind of <laughs> neat to see. Um, they are l- less discriminate when it comes to the toys. They, my kids are very much like mix and match. They they don't have to belong to the the same universe to play together. So the Power Rangers and the Pokemon toys and the Star Wars toys and the Transformers all live in the same bucket. And so they all kind of hang out together. It's if you take the movie Toy Story, that's basically what it what it looks like. Um, but yeah, my five year old definitely has a soft spot for Ray and Jin. He has the two Black Series figures because um, he saw that I got the two those two, but I wouldn't take them out of my box for him to play with. So it became this forbidden fruit um, that he had to have his own. And then of course they went on on clearance at like Target or something the next week, so he gets them for like five bucks a pop, where I had to shell out like eighteen at the time, like a sucker. Yeah, no, and one thing... My kids are weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apple tree. 
I understand how gravity works. Because <laughs> uh, I, I find it pretty interesting. So, like, I've kind of gotten back into vintage video games a, a little bit. I'm not, like, super into them, but I got my Game Boy, and so I've been playing that. And then uh, we were at Brooke's mom's house the, the other day, and we actually found her uh, PlayStation 1. So we've been playing Crash Bandicoot, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but it got me thinking how, like, even though a lot has changed and, and there is so much going on for kids these days, my kids are actually working in this program called Writers in the Schools, where basically they're writing uh, video game stories, and, and there's this platform online that they can use um, to tell that story. And it's very basic, like, a step above 8-bit video games, uh, you know, kind of thing, and, and with Minecraft and everything. Um, and so, like, while things are changing and there are new possibilities, I think there's that that core bit that, that Mark hit on, and, and Drew, I think you did as well, that just kids tell stories. It doesn't matter, like, who the characters are. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, if they should go together or they shouldn't go together or, or anything like that. Like, there's something deep inside of us that compels us to tell stories, and I think that's one of the reasons that Star Wars will last forever <laughs> do you want to hit us hit us with another uh trivia out of your book let's let's do it all right this is another number one you guys ready for this one yes now i'm, I'm afraid you guys are going to overguess on this the amount that a model of chewbacca's head used in the first star wars trilogy sold for at a 2012 auction oh i know this what <laughs> i'm telling you there's some wild stuff in here <laughs> wait a minute hang on hang on Lindsay, did you buy a full <laughs> head of Chewbacca in 2012? I know this because I lost on the bid. <laughs> that was going to be my guess. Oh, my God. No, I actually do know this. I saw something about this the other day, and now I can't remember. Man. I'm going to say $10,000. All right. Adriana? Uh, okay. Do you, Lindsay, do you remember what you bid at all? <laughs> I didn't actually bid. No, it was an option. Had I known it was an option, I absolutely would have. Uh, I'll go with, okay, so you said we're going to over. Uh, I'll go with seven. Thousand. <laughs> seven dollars. <laughs> all right. Seven pesos. Seven pesos. <laughs> Seven pesos. <laughs> all right, Mark, what do you got? Um let's say forty five hundred. All right. Man. So we have seven thousand and forty five hundred. Drew, what did you say? I said ten thousand, but I feel like I have grossly overestimated. <laughs> no, see I think I think I'm more along with Drew. So he said seven thousand. I'm gonna say twelve thousand. All right, once again, if you added all of your totals up and multiplied it by a lot, yeah, you'd still be wrong. A hundred and seventy two thousand dollars. Shut up. Price is right, rules I won. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay doesn't care about people? anything else except for that. <laughs> I might not have won the bid, but I won the night. <laughs> oh, oh my see, goodness. I think that's not fair. You just you were deceiving. You're like, you guys are gonna over over well, because I, I I mean you guys were really off on the other one, so I figured you'd go crazy on this one and and you let me down. Fifty million dollars for Chewbacca's head. <laughs> I'll take it. 
All right. So, we, all, we all know it's priceless, okay? <laughs> Fair it, point. I, I just wonder if he has, like, the Chewbacca head, like, mounted on the wall, you know, like a deer head or something like that. Just, oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Can you do anything with it other than that? I mean... Tells stories about how he uh, was out in the wilderness, and this is what he came back. With. You know, better yet, imagine he has that, and then he has like a little, like statue of Bosk just standing in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great! All right, so then let's play. What Star Wars prop would you spend the most money on? What Star Wars oh. in-universe thing thing that was used in the movies? Would you spend the most money on Han Solo's vest? Return of the Jedi or Ooh. New Hope? Interesting. Okay. No, New Hope. I want the original vest. Okay. You don't want that camouflage poncho he's wearing on Endor? <laughs> hey, listen. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> if I had the option. Didn't his blaster sell for like one hundred and forty-four thousand or something like that? It sold for something ridiculous. All right, Mark. What's your prop that you would like? The original Rancor puppet. Oh, that would be cool. Nice. Good decision. All right, Drew, what you got? I want two things. Can I have two I things? Mean, it's your money. I don't care how you spend I it. I want. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest it in the imaginary stock market first. Um, I want Luke's lightsaber from Empire Strikes Back. And I want a Y-Wing cockpit. Just the cockpit. Well, that's all, that's what you see them in. You see the pilots in the cockpit. I want like the chair and like the the dashboard and all the stuff you that can like, turn it in, goes around you. Tur- yeah, that's what turn I want. it into one of those beds, like a little race car bed. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I picture you like hopping into bed each night, a little X-wing cockpit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Guys, I'm real sleepy, Drew. It's 4:30 in the afternoon. I know I'm. I worked really hard today. (laughs) You have guests over. Why do you and your wife have different bedrooms? Oh well. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's that's see that that's the genius thing. The Y wing's a two seater, so there's there's room for two. (laughs) So it's a it's a Y love seat. Yeah, Brandon, you'll be (laughs) gosh. (laughs) Oh, dummy. All right. Adriana, what's your Star Wars prop? There's one thing you should know about me. Um, that you, no, no, no. It's not anything This weird. is a family-friendly um, show, I Adriana. Just, no, no, no. It's not anything <laughs> weird. I promise. It's okay. I just requested a cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> no, weird is okay. If you if you know me, then you know I have like this... Uh, I just... I love Poe Dameron so much um be, because it the whole like he's he's what he was like let's make poe from yavin 4 because i'm watermelon and i am also watermelon so like it, i have this like thing so i would want um poe's jacket that he wears that he gives to finn then becomes finn's jacket nice that would be nice yes. you would have to wear it every day i mean you're in california so the weather will allow for it you won't be too hot i mean i have i have one of like the replicas from like filmjackets.com and i never wear it because it's just it doesn't get that cold here or if it's like cold it's raining and i don't want to ruin it but yeah that's i have one that's nice already. actually <laughs> adriana actually i have one as well uh, i don't think i got it from the same place but it's a it's like a black version with with red striping on it and it's ex- it's the exact same jacket, only it's a different color combination. And I don't 
I don't know why I chose that instead of the like what looks like the original jacket because I would rather have the original jacket. But uh, yeah, I hardly ever wear it as You're well. You're fake fan, Mark. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, okay. I'm kind of mad because they had they the, when I bought it, it, they didn't have a women's version. But I guess it was so popular, they made a women's version. So I have like a really. It makes me look super boxy, and I'm like just mad that I spent didn't wait. And I didn't get the woman's cut, which if anybody wants a woman's cut of the jacket, it exists. <laughs> For me, it would be the black glove that Luke has in Return of the Jedi. Because when I was about like eight or nine, I dressed up as Luke from Return of the Jedi. Uh, but of course, you know, it was like a homemade costume. So I was in like black sweatpants and a black sweatshirt. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> but so we we were going to go, uh, you know, Halloween trick or treating and it started to rain. So we went to the mall, which is the lamest place in the world to trick or treat. But when we got inside, I realized that I left my black glove in the car and I freaked out because I thought even despite the big green lightsaber that I had and the fact that I could tell people I was Luke Skywalker, I didn't have my black glove. So they didn't know I was Luke Skywalker. And it ruined oh, my man. Halloween. Yeah. And I've been scarred Poor for thing. life. And he's been bitter ever since. And that's the root of all my problems is right there. Do you think we could have between all of us a contest to see who had the most unacceptable by 501st standard Halloween Star Wars. Oh, God. (laughs) I think I would would have won that that. hands down. Why? What was yours? Well, see, back in the late 70s and 80s, all they had were like these terrible plastic things and like you like literally the the like the Luke Skywalker shirt was just this plastic thing you like a vest that you wore over over your regular clothes and then it was just this really cheap plastic mask that had two little eye holes cut out so it was the worst looking Star Wars anything <laughs> oh I need to see that I think they're I think they're still that way because I've been I like I go I go to Target and I go to like the costume section every Halloween and they're like, they're just like these cheap union suits with like a, like a plastic mask. So they're still that way. They're still ugly. Ugh. I saw they had um, like a, a toddler Han Solo costume. It had like a, almost like an inner tube thing. That was the millennium Falcon. So it was like a giant <laughs> Han Solo in a really small Millennium Falcon. It was really weird. That's that upset you because it was not it was not screen accurate. Is that what threw you off? Yeah. That's... <laughs> and also Han Solo wasn't a baby. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Speaking of costumes and bringing props to life and Star Wars coming to life, that is going to be a part of our discussion today as we discuss Galaxy's Edge, and we have uh, some experts on the panel here who know a lot about that. So we're going to come right after this and talk about Galaxy's Edge. Greetings, Hondo. Greetings? What kind of menace have you brought to my planet now? First, you lose this system, and Grievous comes in and destroys my entire stronghold, leaving me here to just rummage through the leftovers of my once great empire. And now, these two horned men show up, who are these horny-headed maniacs? They don't seem like normal Jedi. Not Jedi, Hondo. Sith, we track them here. They just threatened to attack with a group of my men. My own men! Yes, we are looking at them right now. A cargo vessel in three of your starships. They're heading towards you, Hondo. 
More to the point. Are you going to help me when you get here? There's nothing we can do about your men, but we can certainly do something about the Sith. All right, and we're back, and we're talking about Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Batu will be the planet that Galaxy's Edge is all uh, all about, and I am I'm excited but apprehensive about this because I have a lot of questions, um, just kind of about the logistics and how this whole thing is going to work, and so. This this show was Mark's idea in particular, and we're really thankful to have Adriana on as well because she uh, goes to the parks a lot living in California. She lives very close. Uh, Lindsay's been a, a good amount of times. I'm kind of out here like I've never even been to the Harry Potter world, so I don't really understand how this whole immersive thing works. So, Mark, I want to kind of throw it to you to kind of guide the conversation today about Galaxy's Edge and kind of just how the heck is this thing going to work? Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll go down the list of, uh, uh, I've done a lot of research, and I'll go down the list of what all each uh, section of the park is supposed to include, and we'll just, I'll throw it out there to you guys and just, you kind of give me your thoughts uh, on what you think or what you may be concerned about or what you're hopeful for. Um, So first of all, let's uh, start with the, uh, just get, they just made the announcement recently that uh, the park, both parks, were going to open. Um, uh, Disneyland would be opening on May 31st, and Disney World's park would be opening on August 29th. And that is a little bit earlier than they anticipated. So it's being seen as a soft opening, which is kind of a nice way of saying they're going to ease into it because uh, they're probably concerned about the crowds. Uh, as most of us should be. Um, <clears throat> so, and actually, um, there are two major rides in the park, and only one of them is going to be available at, at the at the opening, and that is going to be uh, the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Uh, the other one, the big one, uh, Rise of the Resistance, is not going to open until they say later this year. So they haven't even given us a date on that yet. Um, so it's it looks like it's going to open in stages. Um, there's a couple of things that I found in my research uh, just to, to make note of if you're going to plan to book a trip. Um, Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland will be, you'll only be able to access the land via reservation. Um, and that is going to be for the first few weeks that it's open. I believe it is until June 23rd. Um, there's no cost for the reservation, but you do have to purchase a ticket to the park. Um, there's no word yet on how the reservation will work. If it's for a limited amount of time, if it's for just one day, uh, those details are yet to come. Disney World, on the other hand, is not going to have a reservation system. Um, however, for both parks, you're not going to be able to use Fast Pass or Max Passes for anything inside Galaxy's Edge. Um yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've heard people say that that's actually a good thing because that'll help cut down on the crowds. Um, it also means that you just won't be able to skip to the front of the ride anyway. Uh, so anyway, so let's get into the um, some of the details about what they're going to be offering. I've already mentioned the two rides that they'll have available. So let's start with the, the one that the, they won't have open it when they've first open and uh, on May 31st, Rise of the Resistance. Um, that is the big immersive ride that is 
a lot of people are describing it as the most ambitious ride that Disney has ever designed. And that might be one reason why it's running a little late. Um, they want to get it just right, and maybe they, they have to have a little bit more shakedown time for that. But one of the really fascinating things that I've heard about this ride is unlike other rides where you queue up and you wait in line for an hour or so, and then you finally get to what they call the pre-show, which is sort of like this little, you know, a movie or some kind of little thing that you watch that gets you ready to actually get on the ride. And then you ride the ride itself and it's over in three or four minutes. Um, This ride will actually, the story will actually start while you're in the queue. So after you've, you've been in line for a while, you'll reach a point where it'll look like you're about to get on the ride itself. Um, And that's actually going to be the first stage. Um, That will be a, you'll get on a a ship that, that will appear to take off from Batu and take you into space. It'll be piloted by nine numb. It will then dock. it, It will be captured by the first order and taken aboard a first order ship. And then everybody will get off the ship and you'll be inside a giant first order hangar where there'll be 50 stormtroopers lined up. Um, you're still not on the ride yet. So, so from there you go to, I think, a holding cell. Um, and all of this is, is just sort of rumor at this point. I don't think any of this has been officially um, uh, released by the company yet. It's just that some insiders have sort of given their uh, some inside descriptions of what the ride will be like. Um, but from there, uh, you'll see you'll enter or see characters such as um, Kylo Ren, Finn, Ray, uh, Poe Dameron, and they're all going to be voiced by the actors themselves. I think maybe Finn, Poe, and Ray will be in hologram form, and I think Kylo Ren is going to be an animatronic. Um, and then from that point, you actually get on the ride itself, and it's it's what they call a trackless dark ride. So the the car that you're in is not actually on a track. Uh, There aren't really any details about that portion of of the ride. But the whole thing in total, there were some rumors floating around that that the ride itself lasted 28 minutes. Um, That's been debunked recently. It's not quite that long, but they have not said how long the ride is. But considering that the story elements start so soon you may feel like you're actually on the ride for a lot longer than you know that than you really are because the story kicks in pretty pretty soon and this has never been done before for any for any theme park ride um but I think that was I think that's all the bullet points that I had for that ride. I just want to jump in real quick, Mark, and touch on one thing you said, just because this is Star Wars fandom nowadays. You mentioned like insider sources. They actually had, uh, for lack of a better term, an open house for like some reporters to come in and see uh, what was happening. I know um, unmistakably Star Wars talked to one of the ABC reporters on one of their most recent episodes. So these yeah. are reliable sources. This isn't like Mike Zero coming on and saying that oh, no, no, no. somebody's yeah. going to... Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to point that out because like sometimes yeah. that, that oh, inside sources has a bad connotation now. But yeah, absolutely. Um, these are reliable sources. Just to piggyback off that, and I know some of the um, speculation did come from the uh, Disneyland cast member magazine that they have that released um, a lot of the photos... Um, so it's, yeah, I was just going to say it's credible, but also I wanted to 
uh, talk about um, there's one thing that you didn't mention was how uh, the Disney parks, uh, the Disney, it's like the play app, um, but that that is already in use at the park and um, it's going to uh, have the app is going to have a section for uh, Star Wars. So how it starts in the queue is probably going to uh, play a part with the app as well, um, which is just something that. I know that you didn't mention, so I just wanted to let that throw that out there as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, the the app is is one of those things also that that's going to be really cool because I've never actually used it. I'm sure you have, Adriana, but um, it's going to allow you to interact with different parts of the land. So you can use it while you're in the queue. Uh, there are going to be things in the queue, like maybe signs and boxes or crates or things that you can scan. And, yeah. and find out information about what they say or what's inside them. You can probably play little games. I mean, the, the level of interactivity is just going to be un, unseen. Like, we've never seen this before. It sounds like there's, like, a lot of moving parts, though. And that's probably the reason why it's, it's delayed it's, as far as the opening is because it's just, it sounds like it's extremely complicated I don't. I don't want to say that it's necessarily delayed, um, as opposed to maybe the opening being pushed up. Yeah, um, it's almost like it's more on schedule than the rest of the. Yeah, park. this uh, is still on schedule. Everything else is. Which just is, I mean, creep. we're not talking about the opening dates yet, so I'll wait for that till we get to there. But yeah, right. that. Yeah, we did. We did. We did discuss the the May May thirty first for Disney Land and August 29th for Disney World. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. They may not have this. The they may have always had this as the plan for opening it up in stages. You so know what I'm one. actually really interested in, both in terms of the Disney Play app and how it sounds like this story is going to really start while you're online. My thought is the ride itself isn't going to be 28 minutes, but it's almost going to be 28 minutes of screen time or air time to be involved in the story. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that idea, and I'm really excited to see how they do it. I'm just wondering, and maybe it's one of my fears – how are they going to incorporate that interactivity and still make it work for groups of any size? So, for example, I know in September I'm going, it's going to be a group of three of us going. And I'm sure that's pretty easy to play along with. But then in December, I'm going with a much larger group. And I'm just interested to see how it's going to be not just, you know, here's this interactive storyline you're playing by yourself, but you can also now incorporate two other people or eight other people, however large of a party size you're traveling with. Yeah, I think with Rise of the Resistance, it's it's it'll be easier for that because you're basically just moving large groups of people. You could either move as small groups or large groups. I know at some point they start breaking the crowd down into smaller groups. And it's really more about um, the first order has captured these, you know, you're, you're part of this party. They've captured your party. And now they're sort of breaking you up and sending you off to the, uh, to the, you know, the prison cells or whatever. Um, now the, that 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 point that you're bringing up is going to be a lot more interesting in regards to Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon ride, 
because that ride is going to require teamwork in the cockpit. Mm. That's a, that's one of the big uh, complaints that I've been seeing too about that ride about. So that's something to think about too. If you want to, if you actually, if it's better to have a larger group um, to fill your section up, then you have more control as opposed to if you're by yourself or with a smaller group, you get stuck with, or not get stuck with, but you're seated with strangers or with kids and, you know, kids will push all, any of the buttons and, so oh, I, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. Mind on that. I need to go with like my sisters where I can turn <laughs> around and yell at be like, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Depends too on how interactive you want the experience to be. There are going to be people who don't download the app, who don't care. They're just going to be there because it's Disneyland, it's Star Wars. Um, and then you have people who are a little bit more hardcore who are going to want the app, who are going to want to be in the clothes, who are going to want to take take it all in so i think it just depends too on how how far exactly you want to place yourself into the immersion yeah really pick your level yeah absolutely so yeah so uh speaking of uh the uh millennium falcon let's uh (laughs) let's go down the list and um i'll describe uh what that ride is supposed to entail um so smuggler's run as it's called well that's the one that will be open immediately as soon as the park opens. Um, its its line queue starts at Onaka Transport Solutions. And if you know Onaka, you know that that is Hondo. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Hondo Onaka, proud owner of this fine but currently inoperative vessel. Uh, so Hondo Onaka is making a in-person appearance he's being pulled out of the world of animation and brought into the world of animatronics um and he there's clips of him uh around online if you could find them that he looks fantastic they say that he is probably the second most complex animatronic disney has ever designed behind uh the navi that they designed for uh the pandora land the shaman the, the yeah 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 uh, so, and also, um, he will be voiced by Jim Cummings. So, um, that's going to be fantastic to have that, that. Is that the original voice actor from the show? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so the, as, as guests are taken, uh, through the line, uh, you're actually not going to enter the Falcon itself as it sits outside. Um, you'll go inside a maintenance bay and, uh, as you're moved through the inside of this maintenance bay, you'll hear um, Hondo's uh, crew discussing the Falcon and talking about its many problems. Uh, you'll see various crates that they're using for shipping and for smuggling. And just like uh, we've been talking about the, uh, the the app, you can use your app inside you know, to scan those crates and figure out what's inside them. Um, as you're moving through the queue, uh, you'll go up several levels. You'll be, still be able to look down onto the Falcon outside and get several views of it. So they, <clears throat> the Imagineers made a point to say that they really wanted people to be to get as many uh, good up-close looks at, at the ship as, the, as possible. Uh, so they kept that in mind. Um, eventually, you then come face-to-face with Hondo and uh, they say that the animatronic is seven feet tall, and I never got a sense that Hondo what? and yeah, I never got a sense that he was that tall in the cartoon. And then um, I think 
this part is kind of vague, uh, and I may have misunderstood, but it seems like at some point you'll see uh, maybe a, uh, a film, a movie, or something that looks like you're looking out a window, and you see what looks like the falcon that you just passed outside will then lower down into the into a like a lower docking bay, and that's where you enter the falcon. So it'll appear to be that it, that it has come down to your level, and now you're going to board it. And then you're actually on the Falcon. And that's also still part of the queue. Um, when you're waiting to actually take your turn in the cockpit, when it's time for your, your group to go in and, and pilot the Falcon, you'll get to sort of uh, mill about outside in the, the lounge area with a Jajaric table, and you can take pictures and hang out, and they actually want you to kind of just chill out and enjoy and take in all the, the details. Uh, so that was a really nice nice to learn. Um, and then when you actually get on the ride, uh, it's going to be divided up into three sections. And so there's going to be six seats. And the two seats in the front are going to be the two pilots. And the, pilot, the main pilot is going to control the right and left, and the co-pilot will control the up and down. Uh, the second set of seats is going to be the gunners. Um, of course, that's kind of self-explanatory. And then the, <laughs> the final seats in the back are going to be the engineers. So the, there are going to be a, a variety of buttons that you have to press during uh, the flight. And each person's going to have their own role, and they have to press the right button at the right time. So when we were talking about how the group dynamics could come into play, this is where I think it could get kind of dicey. Because um, you could have any variety of people you you're not going to have hardcore star wars fans on every ride so you're just sometimes going to get people that just don't know what button to press they do say that no matter how badly your team performs you cannot crash the falcon now you may damage the falcon and whatever you do in your flight uh can follow you around the park from like your reputation can follow Whoa. you so pe yeah. people in the park will know you by <laughs> by your performance with the Falcon, either good or bad. See, and this is the thing I don't understand. How are they gonna How are they gonna execute this with you know a thousand people in the park at a time? I mean, no, I actually have my thoughts on that only because I know that there are softwares where, um, for example, let's say you go into a store and you have an account online with that store and you've purchased things online in that store when you walk into the physical brick and mortar store it will actually send an alert to something on the cash register saying like brandon came in the store a few months ago he bought this online you should go up to him and recommend these shirts or these pants and then sure enough the uh, um cashier the person at the front of the store will kind of direct you to where they think you're going to be interested in. I wouldn't be surprised if we have some kind of pinging software like that, where if you get too close to a cast member and you have your phone on you with this app, it's going to just kind of ping them how to interact with you. Um, and I think, too, uh, Walt Disney World has the magic bands, so it mm, might be a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. know. I Like, I have no idea how they would possibly replicate that in disneyland but definitely i could see it being connected maybe to your magic band at walt disney world yeah i uh the the magic band made me think also of of how and this will lead us into our next topic which is merchandise how how you pay for things in galaxy's edge because 
they can't have just like normal cash registers, right? I mean, it's it's all themed Star Wars, so it would completely break the illusion if somebody just you know opens the cash register and is ha- and you're handing cash to a cashier. It's got to be done a different way. Uh, have you been to Harry Potter with Universal? No, I haven't. Okay, because that's that's exactly what they have, and it's a it's it does break the illusion because they don't have they just have like little the card readers, and they had them in like little boxes that would kind of get in the way. So when you were taking out to pay, um, it it's just there. So yeah, it definitely they definitely need something uh, to break that because the yeah it. The, the yeah. magic band solution is still probably applicable there too, because that allows you to uh, connect your debit or credit card directly to the thing, and all you do is wave your hand over right. the over the point of sale, and it, and it dings your your account that way. So I, I imagine a lot of us, <clears throat> self included, are going to just want to wave their hand and, and pay for stuff that way. It's it's probably going to be easy. <laughs> Other otherwise, mind tricks won't that's work exactly on us. We take yeah. only uh, well, money. That's, I mean, yeah, either that or you better have a Toy Dairy in there saying that Republic credits will do no good. If they pass up on that joke one time, I'm going to lose my mind. I want you them might, to look at me. You might have to go, though, a million times for that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm willing to try it at least the one time. <laughs> I, well, I would I would think they would have it to repeat. So you'd probably they want you to go more than once. So. Oh, absolutely. You'd yeah. probably have and, to and, go. And I <laughs> They're going to work really hard to get as many of your dollars out of your pockets. So if it's if there's some kind of like currency exchange stand into galactic credits, I'm sure they would do something like that. So speaking of merchandise, uh, they do ha- they will have a, a lot of really cool ways for you to spend your money. Um, <laughs> what? No, at Disney World. <laughs> of oh, course they will. Oh, just wait. So let's go down the list of how how you can how you can go broke in Galaxy's Edge. You so, walking through the gate. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say purchasing a ticket is a good step one. Right. If you have any <laughs> left, um, this is what you're going to want to spend it on. So uh, there's a place called Savvy's Workshop, and this is where you can hand build a custom lightsaber. Uh, the shop is run by a group known as the Gatherers, uh, who run the shop in secret. Uh, you'll be able to build your own custom lightsaber using a kyber crystal. Um, then you'll be tasked with keeping the shop a secret after you've purchased your lightsaber and you take it out with you. You have to keep it a secret from the First Order, and you also have to protect the identity of the gatherers. And I don't know how all of that's going to happen. Um, but the lightsabers that you can actually build, uh, they went down. Uh, there's a list of the different categories that they are, and these are very cool. Um the first uh, category is called the Peace and Justice. Uh, this lightsaber uses salvaged scraps of fallen Jedi temples and crashed ships. Uh, it will utilize Republic-era designs, honoring lightsabers of the fallen Jedi order. Uh, the number two category is Power and Control. This uses uh, rumored pieces and artifacts of the Sith homeworld, which I guess would be more a band. The third one, and it's the one that I like the most, is the Elemental Nature Lightsaber. This, these are constructed uh, using natural items of Born of the Force, such as uh, the wood of Brylark trees, Cartusian whalebone, and Rancor teeth. Oh. And the, the fourth one is 
protection and defense. Um, this one was a little vague. It's uh, constructed, the hilts are constructed bearing mysterious motifs and inscriptions connected to the wellspring of the force. That's about all it says of that. Um, these are not going to be cheap. Uh, they are stated to be starting at starting at $150. Are these going to be like Ultra Saber type things or is it just going to be a hilt? Do, does, is there any word on exactly what this is going to be? Because there's so many different lightsabers you can get on the market nowadays. Right. So there's been discussion. I know that for, for several months there was talk of a patent that Disney was looking at um, that would allow somebody to actually feel or it appear like they were using a lightsaber in real life uh, without the use of any goggles or uh, augmented reality or anything like that. I don't know if these are connected to that technology and maybe there's a display area where you can actually use it and it looks like it's actually a working lightsaber or if there's something that you attach to it um, that actually makes it look like it's a glowing lightsaber. Now, that that I don't know. Um, I think it's a kyber crystal, Mark, and it actually <laughs> is a real lightsaber. Yeah. Actually, can't wait to find out a little bit more, especially about kind of that first class and see how they're yeah. going to incorporate those Jedi Temple elements of everything and why they're on yeah. Batuu. That's so going to be like I, prequel prequel era designs, right? Like the class, like Obi-Wan's and Qui-Gon's and Mace Windu's designs, which were pretty basic if i remember right that's that's what that yeah. sounds like right yeah okay <clears throat> yeah and if that wasn't cool enough you can re you can remove your kyber crystal and place it in a sith or a jedi holocron and have it interact with things in the park stop <laughs> no way i mean come on <laughs> god Brandon, like, if you had I'm to pick one of those, here, if you had to pick one of those four categories, Brandon, which one of those do you think you're going to go with? Are you going to go with the prequel, the Sith, the Tooth of a Rancor, or whatever the mysterious fourth one with uh, inscriptions is going to be? I don't know. I, my Sight initial reaction unseen. would be the prequel era Jedi one, um, but I feel like the Rancor Tooth one will look a lot cooler. So I'm I'm kind of interested if you get like a if you have to pick off of just a description or if there's going to be like model images for you to look at. Is it going to be a situation where there's like one model for each of these or are these going to be like different puzzle pieces that can fit together in multiple ways? A kind of a similar thing like build your own lightsaber for years I think now because there and you would go in and you would pick different pieces and you kind of assemble them in whatever order you want and they all mm. kind of click together. They're built to fit one piece to another. So the idea was there were like I think there's something like 15 or 20 individual types of pieces but you can kind of mix and match to construct it your own particular way. I, I don't know if this is going to be the same thing as that, but they've already got that system in place for, for, for several well, That would years make sense now, then to just kind of expound on that. And I'm, re I'm really shook right now with the Je Jedi and uh, Sith holocrons. I'm like, I, I want that. Uh, because, yeah, I'd be. Yeah, okay right. With like having one of those. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else had this, but I had. Uh, it was like a motion-activated Yoda, and it was like a foot high, and it came with a lightsaber. And when whenever you waved the lightsaber, it would train you. It would do Jedi training. It was just one of those things, like like Furby era stuff that just said the same thing over and over again, and really just like was motion-activated whenever you moved. Um, not necessarily the lightsaber, but it was 
it was cool to kind of like that was me playing Star Wars, was imagining being on Dagobah and training with the with Yoda, and so the idea of getting this Jedi holocron and the fact that. I mean, they can probably do some kind of holographic projection projection at this point is is mind boggling. Yeah. You know what? what's I think the most mind boggling of all of this? When you think Disney, you're supposed to immediately think like little kids and families. So far, everything we've heard, I'm like, this is for 30 to 60 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. They need to have like an, a, a no yeah. kid sign. I'd like to. Yeah. <laughs> people need to go first. I yeah, we need like the, those $150 ones like that. I'm going to keep on a shelf in my room. And then we get like the $20 plastic ones with the flip out blades. That, that I'll get for my boys. There you go. This I is think I would get, wild. Though. I would want just a hilt. I don't think I would want a blade that extends from it. I think I just want yeah, the hilt. I'm with you. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm, like Ultra Sabers and everything, they sell just the hilts along with the combat grade lightsabers. So you can ha- you can get those all ready, and they look super cool, like hung on your belt loop. So it'll be really interesting to have that as, you know, a part of the story because you know you're going to have those people who build the Sith lightsaber and then just hang it on their belt waiting for the First Order to to pull them off to the side or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> and by we know those people, I'm saying those people are going to be me. I was going to say, they're on <laughs> yes, this I'm definitely right going <laughs> to strut around with my lightsaber on my belt loop because I'm a 12-year-old. So, I mean, I think it's really exciting <laughs> that... I mean, the price point is 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 kind of annoying because that's going to limit a lot of people being able to have that experience. But at the same time, it's going to limit the people having that experience. So if you do, if you are able to do that, it's going to be really unique experience that you get when you visit the park. Yeah, it's not going to be a cheap plastic lightsaber. No. Yeah, just something too. I read that it is going to be. Um, well, I heard. I don't. I don't know if Mark, you read anything or about it but it being reservation only because it takes so long so it's even more so the price point and the fact that it's um something that you have to fit in like you can't just walk in to oh, do so it you have to like reserve a slot to go to the store to to get the thing is uh, what you're thinking as that's what i was reading uh it wasn't confirmed but they said because it takes uh it takes a good amount of time and because only a certain amount of people fit into the store, you have to make a reservation, like a reservation oh, time. Man. That yeah. would make sense. Yeah. This is going to be tough. I honestly, I don't know how they're going to do any of this without having reservations for everything. Cause everything for the first year. Yeah. Cause everything with it, that we're going down on this list is, it sounds like the sort of thing where it just would not work if you had a thousand people trying to do it at one time. Harry Potter World had kind of struggled with that issue when it first opened. We went there a couple of years ago. I think it was right after it opened up. But and Mark, when you're talking about the line and how you kind of you get the story ahead of time and you're kind of involved in it while you're actually waiting to do the fun, cool thing, the Hogwarts Castle excels at that. In that, we waited in line an hour and a half. But you wouldn't know it was an hour and a half because you walk through the entire castle and each room and each corridor, there's different things going on and, and having your attention. So you're passing time inside the experience. 
But to have it in the store, I mean, again, the Harry Potter thing has Ollivanders where you can all go buy your own wand, but you can't fit more than like, what, 15, 20 people at a time? Yeah, and, and I haven't cramped. Yeah, I haven't, Ooh. Yeah, I haven't yeah. been, but I've I've heard that that was the number one complaint with Ollivanders is that it just it's shoulder Absolutely. to shoulder in there. And you, yeah, and that one you 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 are encouraged to take your time and look around and really find the wand that speaks to you. And and uh, allegedly we were, we never saw it happen, but just like when Harry picks his out, the whole room kind of explodes. That ha- is allegedly happens from time to time. So I can't imagine just from like a logistical perspective of that's got to reset. You got to put all that stuff back. And that experience has to be repeated all day long. I, I, it's it's going to be great. I'm going to try and get in line and, and get my own, definitely. But, man, I think the first year, the first five years are going to be just slam-packed in here the whole, all day, every day. So, you know, claustrophobic, be forewarned. <laughs> I might actually be in luck for all of this, just because... From what I'm hearing, especially with Smuggler's Run, with this kind of thing, if I'm able to kind of ditch my family and go by myself for a day, which is 100% my plan for the first year, <laughs> I could, I should be able to do a lot of like, you know, the single, the single flyer line and things like that and get in and out of these places pretty quickly. So I think my plan is just going to be ditch everyone I go with. It's a good plan. Yeah, it's got no, I, I try and do that too, but my wife is like, "Would you stop trying to run away from us? This is a, a, <laughs> offensive." So, how are they going to keep this experience engaging though? When you have ten thousand people in the park, like, so when I was at the book signing, the moderator of the panel was an Imagineer, and I kind of picked her brain a little bit. Oh, that's great! Uh, and uh, so. When they converted uh, the Tower of Terror into Guardians, that wait time was over five hours. And so the whole point of the reservation is to, they're not, they don't want that. So that's why they're doing the reservations and why they're limiting how many people are going into the parks uh, to be into the, that section of the park to begin with. And, um, Also, she was talking uh, about how because of the amount of detail that goes into that is going into the park, that there are some that you want to go into the park and not just do the rides like you want to explore this one section, Uh this this one section that'll be that could be one day. So they're hoping that by building that detail and giving that detail that you're just you're not going to want to just spend your whole day waiting in a line you're going to want to explore you want to look for the all the that stuff that they're putting in into it so and she said just walking around going around is going to take take days and that's not not experiencing any of the stuff that they've already announced yeah Yeah, so uh, when they talked about the reservations they they only mentioned disneyland and they said that it was only going to be for the first few weeks after they've opened on may 31st um, but I, I kind of think that they're just sort of doing the reservation thing to kind of test it to see how it's going to work. And then if the crowds end up being as unmanageable as we know they will be, that they're just going to incorporate reservations throughout the whole the whole land in both parks. It really makes sense to do it that way because, Adriana, like you were saying, they've spent all this time and energy and money and thought into making this the most fully immersive 
park that they've ever done. They they don't they want people to be able to move around in it. They want people to interact with it. There's going to be a lot of interactivity. There are going to be characters walking around that are in costume, in aliens that that are going to interact with each other. There's going to be first order clashes with resistance. There's going to be things happening in the land that simply can't happen if if the the park is literally shoulder to shoulder. And these guys do this all all day, every day for almost 50 years. I mean, if there's anybody who's good at crowd management and control, it's got to be these guys, right? Yeah, so there's going to be a droid depot, which is going to function a lot like the lightsaber shop, which is you could build your own droid. And uh, you'll be uh, you'll be able to build either a BB series or an R series astromech. And just like with the lightsabers, you'll be able to customize it, and uh, it will be a functioning droid that will beep and boop and interact with you. And you take it out into the park, and you walk into certain areas, and it'll freak out when you get close to certain <laughs> things. So just like with the holocron, the, the the things you walk out of the store with are going to interact with other things in the park, and that is that just blows my mind. So cool. It's a good way to get you to spend your money. Absolutely. Those are Uh, expensive. There's also a Toydarian toy shop. Uh, That is run by Zabaka the Toydarian. And she is crafting her toys in the back of the the shop. I don't think you actually see her. It's uh, The thing I read said that you'll see her silhouette uh, through a frosted pane window. And and, uh, you'll see her busy, busily working on, on her toys. Um, there's Doc Ondar, Doc Ondar's Den of Iniquities. Try saying that fast. <laughs> um, that's going to contain jewelries, tools, statues, kyber crystals, and you can buy lightsabers there as well, um, from all over the galaxy, from different time periods. And the store is run by, um, Doc Ondar is an Ithorian, and it's going to be a, uh, an animatronic, and it's going to interact with you and with other people, like with his his uh, staff in the shop. So the thing about a lot of these shops is they're almost like attractions themselves. It's not just going to be a place where you go in and buy things, but you're actually going to go in and actually see show elements. Uh, So uh, in addition to, let's see, what else do I have here for merchandise? Um, Oh, the creature stall. Uh, We can't forget about the creatures. Um, you're going to be able to buy little plushy porgs, Drew, uh, yes. Drew and, and Brandon. I know you guys will want to buy <laughs> porgs. Hooray. Um, they're going to have... Add to the shelf. Uh, in, that, in that store, it's a mixture of the, the things you can buy versus like live-action animatronic creatures. So they'll be mixed in with each other. So it'll really look like you're entering a zoo. Uh, but you can walk out with... Kowakian uh, monkey lizards, loath cats, porgs, baby tauntauns, rath tars, and wampas. Oh, I love this. I love this. I'm so excited. That's so cool. I want a loath cat so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. Out of that list. Set the animals free is the question. <laughs> For the low, low price of $59.99 a piece, heck yes, you can. <laughs> Have you have you guys seen the what are they what are they call the banshees at in Avatar the Pandora? Have you seen the banshees that sit on your shoulder? No, no I haven't. No. So they sell these. They're sort of like a cross between a puppet 
and a toy, but it actually, like you set it on your shoulder and it's, I don't know if it's because it has a chip inside it or what, and it like turns its head. That instantly made me think of like, imagine having a quacky and monkey lizard sitting on your shoulder, cackling. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> oh my god. That would ruin my park experience. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the more that I hear about just how immersive this is and all the technologies they're using and what they're doing for the rides, I almost feel like the Pandora section in Disney World was basically just a test run to just be yeah. like, right. what can yeah. we do? Yeah. 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 Exactly what it sense. sounds like. Yeah. I think the real question is, what the hell are they going to do with Pandora Land after Star Wars Land opens? Yeah, because they're going to have to turn it into something gone. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so... so let, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, let's let's move on to food and beverages. Oh, wait. Uh, go, go ahead. Uh, did you talk about the clothes? You can buy the clothes? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Black Spire Outfitters are going to sell apparel from a galaxy far, far away. You'll be able to either purchase first order or resistance apparel in that shop. And Disney has this thing where they don't allow you to dress up. Adriana, is that is that true? Like you can't walk into the parks in costume. No, that's why they people Disney bound. Yeah. So, so yeah, you like you do like inspired by looks, and yeah, yeah only if you're. I believe it's. I don't even know because I can't dress I, up, I so I don't care. S- it's under, under seven or something. Yeah, they so you see like a lot of little kids wearing like princess dresses or dressed up as Ray. Um, but the only time they allow adults to have costumes is during the Halloween party. Well, this sounds like this might be an exception to that rule then, because if they're if they're selling merchant uh, apparel in the style of Star Wars, they like say a Jedi, Jedi robe. They wouldn't mind if you put on the Jedi robe and walk around with it, right? I mean, that surely they wouldn't say you can't wear it. No, and that's that's kind of like why I didn't want I didn't want you to miss out on the clothes because I'm I want to be dressed. I, like I was looking at some of the clothes and I'm like, I want that on my body like right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of the, like the the jackets are really cool and and I don't like the first order, but those some of those things were like so sharp. I was yeah. Like, Man. And every every cast member within the land is going to be dressed as a Star Wars character. So that's the other thing is, and, and I think Harry Potter, the Wizarding World is like this too, where all the people that work there are very much in character the whole time, and they all they're all dressed in you know various Star Wars outfits, and it's mix and match, and it's um, so yeah that something amusing though occurred to me that yeah if this whole land is canon and everything that's in it is canon there's going to be the inevitable question are fanny packs canon yes (laughs) yes absolutely 100 percent are we're bringing fanny packs back are crocs canon oh no oh no no, that's a slippery slope my friend that's that's (laughs) <laughs> powerful darkness, powerful light kind of thing. <laughs> you know, to tell what? You. There's something else. Beneath the island. The place. The dark place. Balance. Powerful light, powerful darkness. And one of the things that I've heard is that the the 
employees uh, that are working the park are encouraged to think of like their background for their character. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and kind of create a an in universe character. Not obviously not something like uh, within reason. You know. Yeah, yeah. Not like <laughs> oh, Princess Leia's long lost brother, but like I'm a cargo pilot. You know, like I'm like Bodie Rook or whatever. Um, and and I think they even get to mix and match their costumes, you know, from from day to day. So they get to you. You don't get like one set like this is what the employees look like kind of look, which I think is awesome because Star Wars has this look to it. But except for like Jedi costumes and, and Sith robes, you don't really have stormtroopers, but you don't really have anything that's too uniform in terms of like your everyday citizen. It's not like, oh, he bought, you know, American out uh, American Outfitters or, you know, like he got that at Bass Pro Shop. It's, there's not a version of that in Star Wars. And so I think having the the cast members be able to have some control over their own character is going to be really inspiring for them and really help our experience a lot to, to really be immersed. Yeah. Yeah, I good agree. Point. I think it's one of the things too that Disney does really, really well. That in my experience, Universal doesn't. Um, I certainly enjoy the Harry Potter world and all the attractions there, but I think one of the ways Disney excels is how they train their cast and how the cast gets so involved, and really does. They really are encouraged to do just that: make up their own stories, make it their own, and interact with the people in the park other than just these transactional ways but really get everyone immersed so i would totally trust disney just in my experience in the parks knowing people who've worked for the parks i think it's going to be something that they execute on really flawlessly yeah and that that immersion is going to continue on into uh the food and beverage category so um, there's there are actually three or four locations where you can purchase food. Um, so we'll just go over them really briefly. Um, the main one's going to be Oga's Cantina. Uh, this is going to be just just like every Star Wars cantina that you've ever seen. This is going to be full of music and uh, bounty hunters and smugglers and uh, First Order troopers may come in from time to time. Uh, it is uh, going to have a DJ. It's a droid called R3X. And he used to be the former Star Speeder 3000 pilot on the old Star Tours, and I believe that was he was oh. voiced. He was voiced by Paul Rubin, who's known as Pee Wee Herman. And I don't know this for a fact, but I think he might be coming back to do the voice for DJ again. Um, the drinks uh, will, for the first time in Disneyland, will include alcohol. Um, it'll be non-alcoholic and alcoholic. Uh, you won't be allowed to take your alcoholic drink out of the cantina, so you have to drink it there. Uh, but they have lots of uh, drinks to choose from, and these are some great names. Are you ready for these names? Let's hear them. Okay. Jedi Mind Trick, Bad Motivator, Tonneray Wine, The Carbon Freeze, Cliff Dweller, Oga's Obsession, The Fuzzy Tauntaun. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I don't even know what it is, but I want the fuzzy tonto. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, you're I'll... gonna regret that. All right, <laughs> gonna regret that. <laughs> it gets better. Oh. Yub nub, moof juice, <laughs> moogan tea, outer rim, blue bantha, bespin fizz, and bloody rancor. Oh my god! I can't wait. 
And from what I've heard, like these are not like normal alcoholic drinks. Like <laughs> a bloody rancor is not just a no- uh, another name for like a bloody mary. Like they've they've invented new new drinks specific for the park. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's a there's a f- photograph that they've got uh, in some of these stories online. If you can find uh, some of these stories uh, where they show the drinks themselves, and they're all different kind of colors, and they've got these unusual toppings. There was a bone over the glass of one of them. It's yeah, what? it's gonna it's it's this yeah. The theming continues in into the drinks and the beverages as well, or the food and beverages. Well, I know one of the things I I'm most excited about is the the blue milk and the green. Yes. Milk. Um, mm-hmm. So the the green milk I believe is going to be alcoholic, and the blue milk is going to be for all ages. But one thing that they've done that I think is really awesome, as a person who can't have dairy and has always wanted to try blue milk, is they're not uh, they're not actually milk based products. They're going to be like almond milk coconut uh milk based products which will be a lot better for the yeah it'll be a lot better for the not i mean also like california and orlando in the middle of the summer you don't want a big glass of milk (laughs) that's like the last thing you want but i think also like the fact that they've kind of thought about the details down to that minutia and and that that's really encouraging to me yeah and what other uh, what foods are we going to be looking at in the well? Park? In addition to uh, being able to buy, buy blue milk at the cantina, you can also get it at the milk stand, and there it'll be offered as a frozen smoothie. So, oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, docking Bay Seven is food and cargo. This is a restaurant located in a former docking bay. Uh, it is run by Chef uh, Strano Cookie Tugs, who used to be the chef, personal chef for Maz Canada. Uh, he has uh, docked a food freighter loaded with fresh supplies, and he's ready to satisfy the appetites of locals and visitors alike with an exotic array of offerings. Uh, Cookie Tugs is uh, an ar- Arteadoc. Cookie Tugs! <laughs> <laughs> Mark, would you be offended if we called you Cookie Tugs from now on? Not at all. All right. <laughs> Here's the real like, question. I I think the question we all really want asked is, did Cookie Tugs learn how to cook from Dexter Jetster? Mm. Because if he didn't, is he really a cook? Well, anybody that cooks for Maz Kanata has got to be a good cook. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of stuff are they going to be offering at his, uh, his diner? Uh, the, dishes, fuzzy tauntaun. <laughs> the dishes include uh, s- smoked kadu ribs. Uh, which consists of smoked country pork with blueberry corn muffin and cabbage slaw. And a kadu is the beast that Jar Jar was riding in The Phantom Menace. So you'll be able to eat one of those. <laughs> Just which, what I've always Which we know wanted. a lot of people want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and also, in addition to that, they'll have a quick service uh, location called Ronto Roasters, and that's going to be mostly sandwiches and wraps. Um but it's going to be uh, there's going to be a giant uh, pod racer engine that is uh, turned on its end and is fire roasting a big chunk of Ronto steak. Oh, that's cool! And the pit's being <laughs> and it's being slowly turned in the pit by a droid. <laughs> Drew, Drew's like that'll go perfect with my cockpit bed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jealousy and then I, is not a pretty trait. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then if we uh we can finish up with just some random notes that i took um we it, we have to mention the fact that john williams is is uh composing an original score for the land itself what? yes yes oh, this was something that was brought up on twitter um that we wanted to discuss was the music because is it is it it's not just redos of Star Wars music we've already heard, Correct. right? Like, it's not just new takes on it. It is an all new original piece. And there's actually a clip of it. If you look for it online, you can go to YouTube and search John Williams' Galaxy's Edge theme song. Um, you can actually hear the whole thing, or at least a portion of it. Um, is it. Is it just one song though that's gonna like play on repeat, no, or is it not. basically a I'm whole guessing, score? Yeah, okay. I'm guessing it's an entire score because they'll they'll have probably have different areas where you'll hear different kinds of music. You'd have probably an area where you hear the first order, and for all we know, they could also be using established music in those areas as well. It's just that you know they they went all the way to have John Williams sort of compose the theme song for Black Spire Outpost, which I thought was just incredibly cool. Yeah, because he's, to, to my knowledge, he's never done anything like that before, right? Actually, he has. You'd be surprised. He composed the theme song to the NBC Nightly News. Uh, he also composed the theme song to the Olympics. Um, he's he's a he's been a very prodigious guy. Yeah. <laughs> basically, well, but basically, like, every song that's you've ever heard, every theme song, every <laughs> yeah, right. He composed. It was either by John Williams or inspired by John Williams. But in terms of like, those are still to me, those are still TV and film, though. Yeah. Like, this is 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 helping create the environment of a place that you're at. I, I don't know. It just feels different to me. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, do you guys do you guys remember back when he said Force Awakens was going to be his last Star Wars project? he's done like 17 more since then yeah that's why that's why i feel so blessed that we've gotten two more that we're you know we'll be getting two more out of him yeah because solid additions that's really cool yeah uh so yeah so we've already talked about the um interactive technology and the disney parks app the play app um that will transform into a your uh your cell phone into a data pad that you can use to uh, translate Arabish. So you'll be uh-huh. able to translate that into English. Um, you can translate conversations that you hear between two alien characters. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. So that, that'll help you find Easter eggs, um, listen to conversations. Uh, we've already talked about the cues and rise of the resistance. I wonder uh, if I could take that stuff home because I find myself always pausing and screenshotting even just like little things in resistance. And I'm like, oh, what does Tora Doza's poster say? I wonder if that's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this is really cool. So the one of the ways you can use the app is uh, the First Order has installed a surveillance system all throughout Black Spire Outpost. And you can take your data pad around to each of these boxes, and you can either turn them on or off, which you're hacking, or I guess you'd say slicing, into them to either turn them on or off in order to either help the resistance or help the first order, depending on what your loyalty is. And you'll be you'll be given wow. some kind of point system, so it's like a little game that you could play either 
by yourself or with a group of people. Um, you can, uh, you'll win points. Uh, I don't know how those points will be, like how you can spend those, probably on merchandise. But <laughs> you can you can either do it all in one visit or you can do it over many many different visits. So is this app specific to the Star Wars elements of the park, or is it like just a, across the whole Disney world, which I guess is a improper name, but you know what I mean. Like, is this something that only works with inside inside the Galaxy's Edge, or is it more than that? I think it's. I think it will work. I think it's just to work in throughout the entire park. But Adriana, you have you have experience with this app, so. Yeah, so I I have the app on my phone, and basically it's just like um, right now what it is is if you're like in a queue, uh, waiting for a ride. Uh, there's like games associated that you it, and it's just about pass the time, so it's not you're just not standing in line, um, right. and and that and but I think they're doing they're going it's going to be expanded obviously um, mm-hmm. into more more be from what it sounds like than right now right now it's just games and uh the only thing i'm concerned about is um right now the parks app, like the the disney play app is it wastes a lot of battery so i don't use it too often oh no. um, yeah. yeah yeah so that's my concern and considering how immersive it's going to be like i'm just um yeah that could be a problem if everybody yeah. is- trying to make their way to the next available charging outlet or something like that. It's not going to go super great. Well, they have, uh, well, that's an, another thing. They, they do have these really cool, I, I don't know if they have them on Walt Disney world, but, uh, in Disneyland, they have these, uh, you buy them, they're rate, they're, uh, they're the power chargers and you just go and you swap them out at different locations oh, okay. throughout the park. But, I mean, are they going to have one in the park? Is how are they going to fit that in if it's with the immersion? And are they going to? You have to leave that section of the park to go into Disneyland and go to the nearest one in there to get your power charger swapped. And that's ah. I don't know. Uh, I, can, I can imagine. I, I, I can imagine a, a power cells <laughs> shaped kind of thing that's like, you know, fits. Looks like it should, you should slam it into the bottom of your blaster or something like that. Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that they give you something to transform your phone into a data pad? I wonder if that would kind of double as a charger. No, they, they describe the app itself as being uh, okay. like once you activate the, I guess, the, the Galaxy's Edge portion of the app, it, it turns your phone into a data pad. Got it. Okay. I thought it was something that would physically make it look like a data pad. I thought that would be a clever way to describe it, to to uh, disguise a portable charger. But I could definitely see, like, the uh, the cast members obviously are not going to call it your phone. So they may say your data yeah. pad or something like yeah. that. Yeah, right. Comlink. That, that would be pretty cool. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. Uh, so I wanted to jump next to uh, we had some questions on Twitter and Facebook over uh, at Clashing Sabers and then our Facebook is Clashing Sabers Star Wars community. So I wanted to get to a couple of those. Some of them we've already talked about, so um, we're not going to go over everything again. But uh, the scruffy, <laughs> scruffy looking Nerf Herders podcast asked us what's going to be in your day one survival pack. So Drew, you've got the most people that you're responsible for. What are you bringing to bed to? Oh boy! Uh, sunscreen and a hat, um, and then a, <laughs> yeah. uh, an empty backpack. Probably that's probably the best thing to do. 
Um, we're going to be there in like a week or two. And so, well, obviously the, that park won't be open, but we've been trying to prepare and see like, how do we want to do this? And this will be our first time going to a park or something like this without having to have a stroller. Although we, we've talked about maybe even bringing a stroller just in case we need to haul something around with us, you know, like a miniature Rathtar or something like that could be something fun to do. But I don't really know, like, you, you don't really want to go with a lot of stuff on your person. Um, you kind of want to be able to just go in there and not have to worry about bringing a bag full of stuff or, you know, sandwiches and lunches and, and, and whatnot. Most of the time what we try and do is like maybe have like a lunch, an early lunch, hit the park and then and try and, and make that afternoon, evening hours as last as long as we can. So, I mean, I'm trying to not go with this. I'm trying to go with as few things as possible. Um, also, the, the, the deep, dark, pessimistic part of me means if I don't have to bring my wallet, that's one less thing that can get stolen. Because if, if I'm going to be in a, you know, a tiny, cramped space with 15,000 people, not all of them are going to have the most um, healthy of intentions, that's for sure. There might be a DJ or two in the well, crowd. <laughs> you can always bring your big trench coat and carry lots of things. In. You know what? I, I've thought about that, too. Um, there's something about 95-degree heat and 8,000% humidity that, that really dissuaded me from bringing my trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> Although in, oh, in man. Florida, it does rain from 3.30 to 4 o'clock every afternoon year-round. I don't understand why, but so it does. It's It's true. Uh, as a Floridian myself, I can attest to the fact that that is absolutely true. Uh, okay, so our next question comes from Neil Lowry over on Twitter, and he asked, how long before we scrawl at Clashing Sabres on to something in Batu? The answer to that, uh, about Neil, is quite simple. 20 minutes? Yeah. Three seconds? <laughs> yeah. As yeah. soon as oh, yeah. nobody's Definitely. paying attention, are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to have little uh, stickers. We're just going to stick everywhere. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, we already talked about the music, which is what Dr. Uh, Ragnarok on Twitter wanted us to discuss. Uh, we also talked about Hondo Anaka, um, which someone else brought up. So I want to jump over now to our Facebook questions. And from our, our good friend Steve Kirk over from San Diego Sabres, he asks us, assuming money weren't an issue, what three people would you bring with you? So, Adriana, I want to start with you with this one. You can bring three people with you to Galaxy's Edge. Money is not a problem. Who are you taking? Um, can you come back to me? I, I got to think about this for a second. Because <laughs> right. my, my first one was like, oh, I will bring you and Brooke. Because you said you'd only be able to go like once. So, But also, like, there's a selfish part of me who's like... Ooh, maybe I'd be like Oscar Isaac with me. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you saying you would right pick direction. Oscar Isaac over me? <laughs> I am hurt. I am hurt, ma'am. All right, Lindsay, let's go to you then. Three All people. All right, so actually both got? of my trips that I have planned for it so far, I'm going with a good friend of mine. And it's so funny because I didn't even realize this subset of person existed. But she is to Disney World the way we are to Star Wars. So she knows like every little announcement, every little detail that's going to happen in the parks months before it happens. Like she sat and we took an early lunch at work and we live broadcasted the shareholder meeting where they're making all these announcements. <laughs> um, so she is coming with me. If money weren't an option, I would absolutely front the bill for um, her, we're go I'm going with her and her husband. So she would be on the list. Um, and then my 
two and three, anyone who knows me, I think this is pretty obvious, but I would have to bring my nephews and make sure that they, they enjoy it and just to watch them experience everything for themselves for the first time. That would be yeah. really cool. Could you imagine that for some kids, this is going to be the entry point, point to Star Wars? You know, Wars? for my younger nephew, to be totally honest, it probably will be because we go down pretty often. So cool. um, you know, my parents stay there for the winter. They leave New York, go down to Florida. So we go down and see them. So in all honesty, mm-hmm. it probably will be my younger nephew's entry point. That's yeah. just so cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I think if money weren't an issue, I'm going to be really lame. I would bring Brooke because I don't want her to listen to this and me not say I was going to bring her. Um, money's not an issue, so I'm bringing my dog. I'll pay whatever I have to pay to be able to get him through. And uh, and I'll, I'll bring Steve Kirk as a thank you for getting our podcast audio fixed up. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be my three. I'm thank very you, predictable. Yay. I wonder how much it would cost to get my dog in there. Anyways, Adriana, let's go back um, to you. Okay, so I... And you are allowed to say me three times. <laughs> well, no, I think it'd be really cool to go with you guys just because I know that you guys are <laughs> hardcore like me. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be weird if we all like burst into tears at the same time because you guys would understand, like, you know? And that's the thing. I'm trying to think who wouldn't laugh at me when I walk in there and just immediately burst into tears. And I think it would have to be... Um, my cousin he's uh he's the one that i usually end up doing things with um so him and then uh my friend sarah uh she did the first episode of starships with me so available now on all podcasters (laughs) so i think it would be cool she's got a kid so money is kind of tight for her i think that would be really nice and then i'll just i'll squeeze you all in there too it's like I said, we can all go together if Love we have because we have no money. Like money's not an option. Thanks, money, Adriana. Doesn't yeah. money, doesn't, <laughs> money doesn't matter. Let's all go together. <laughs> all right. So then we we kind of touched on this uh, a little bit. Michelle Whitlich sent us a question of, about having somebody a little kid pilot the Millennium Falcon and crash it and how much it could possibly ruin your experience at the park. What I'm going to kind of jump off of that. What's one thing that could happen in, in either the story itself or in your experience that would absolutely ruin, just ruin the whole experience for you, Mark. I think you're probably looking forward to this as much or more than everybody else. What's something that could just totally ruin this for you? Somebody throwing up on the Falcon. <laughs> oh, that would be so bad. I mean, if you will, yeah, if you oh. want to go for like the worst case scenario, that would probably be that would probably be it. That would be really bad. Somebody with motion sickness. Or yeah, but like also that. also because you want everyone to have a good time, and it that. The idea that some people would be frustrated or angry or whatever getting off this, these rides is just kind of kills the whole experience. And yeah, uh, that's you know that's a concern. And I think they know this as well because there was there were leaks where they were saying that in the beginning, um, the way they were testing this ride was that you could actually crash it and like lose. And people who were doing <laughs> 
doing the testing were getting very frustrated because unless you had a group of people in there who really knew each other and knew what all their roles were, then you had people not communicating well or there was, you know, some kind of barrier to communication and people would get really frustrated. And they said one of the one of the downsides to having an experience like that is that you then go out into the park and all day long you're being reminded by aliens and characters of how terrible you did <laughs> on the Falcon and you waited in line for for four hours and you had a terrible experience. So yeah, it's I guess it would just be somebody not having a good time and kind of ruining it for everybody else would be my number one. Yeah. I, I heard a lot about about exactly what you were talking about um, there with, with being able to crash it and how it could affect your, your story. And so the fact that you can't crash it, um, I think is really good because number one, I think most people probably would end up crashing it, which could ruin your experience a lot. Um, and then also, I just think there's more possibilities um, that you have if you limit being able to crash it uh, at all. So then our our final question that we're going to hit for tonight um, is from our friend Johnny Orm over from the My Star Wars Life Debt podcast. He asks, what do you think we have to do to get arrested by stormtroopers? Lindsay, let's oh, start with you. Man. What do you need to do to get arrested? And, and we're keeping it family oh, friendly. That's my problem. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Here was just being like, oh, you just wear a resistance logo, obviously. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, such a that's what I thought too. <laughs> that's Jeez, Lindsay, what's going on in your brain? <laughs> oh my, nothing good. Lindsay took it to nothing, a dark place. Um, I would actually be really interested. Then um, I'll try and take the more mature answer and say that if you do something like create your own lightsaber and buy your own lightsaber, depending on which one of those four categories you pick. And maybe then how your kyber crystal interacts with a holocron, maybe that could set something off for the First Order to arrest you. Or, Mark, you were saying that there's that group that you're supposed to really protect who those people are. Maybe if you slip and one of them gets caught and then they come after you. So I think experiences like that would be a pretty fun way to get arrested. That would be really cool. Adriano, what would you do to get arrested by stormtroopers? The, to, uh, wear a resistance logo front and center tattooed on my forehead <laughs> <laughs> walk around with a megaphone i support the resistance yeah, she's gonna be those protester <laughs> in in betu I, I would i would think too something about like having your droid in a place where it's not supposed to be <laughs> oh <laughs> you recording your droid? yeah is your droid recording secret surveillance or is, i don't know <laughs> that's, that's a good one you could have uh, the the alien from Canto Bight complaining about where you parked the Falcon. <laughs> oh yeah, <There> <laughs> and the stormtroopers come arrest you for that. That would make I'm sure that would make everybody absolutely happy. <laughs> it would be the one thing that would unite Star Wars fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to close us up for today. Uh, of course, Lindsay is going, Adriana's going. Mark, are you scheduled already for when you're going to Galaxy's uh, Edge? I haven't actually booked it, but I am planning to go in February 2020. Okay, so then pretty soon here we'll we'll get some firsthand reviews uh, for you guys and, and discuss 
how all the stuff that we talked about is actually working. But until then, you can always hang out with us over on Facebook uh, at the Clashing Sabers Star Wars community or on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. Um, you can also email us, clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com with any of your thoughts or comments or, or things you want us to talk about on the show. Um, also, we are running our Revenge of the Sith uh, contest for a hardback Revenge of the Sith novel, uh, which is the best Star Wars novel, period. Um, so to enter that, just go ahead and leave us a rating and review on whatever your podcatcher you're using, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify. We are everywhere now. Um, Stitcher. So we are on all platforms. And if we're not and, and you're looking for us somewhere, please let us know so I can handle that right away. Um, but to enter the contest, all you have to do is leave that rating and review. Uh, drop us a little message with a picture of your review uh, at Twitter or at our email, and you will be entered to win. Drew, plug time. Go. You can find me on the Twitter at the Drew Brett. That's and um, I like to haunt in the Facebook group that we've kind of mentioned a couple times, the uh, Clashing Sabers community. That's probably the best place to meet and greet and uh, catch up and and make fun of one another in the spirit of friendship and love, <laughs> <laughs> as one does. Yeah. All right, Adriana. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Celestial Intent. I'm also in the Facebook group with a different last name, Pins. Okay. Lynch <laughs> <laughs> and and starships. Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah. Awesome job on the first episode. I, brand new. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Lindsay. You guys can find me on Twitter at Miss Lindsay G or, of course, on Facebook in the group there. You can also find me on Instagram on Full Force Lindsay. All right. And also, uh, don't, don't forget we have our text. Yeah, don't burn the sacred text, but also our fitness group. If you want to come join that, uh, what is that called? Fueled by Force it and the is. Fitness. It's yes, a, I'm a professional. It's where we take the campaign for Fuel Your Force uh, to a very new level. It's definitely not, we always say this, it is not a weight loss group by any chance. It really is just about a healthy lifestyle, active living, clean eating, things like that. Uh, but really a lot of encouragement going on, a lot of people supporting each other's unique goals, and it's it's a great place to be. I love checking in, in every day and seeing what's going on there. I need to, I need to join yeah, that. Absolutely. I need to oh, join it's that group. great. Yeah, you really should. It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's one of those things, like, with the internet, the way it is, sometimes it's a nice to know that you have that place where you can just go and, like, people are just supporting one another. It's pretty awesome. All right, Mark, close us out with your... Plugs. Yes, I uh, host a show called uh, Forever Star Wars. Um, you can usually find me on Twitter uh, at DJ M Marquis. That's DJ And I'm also on Instagram at M Marquis 1205. All right. And when we meet back up next time, we will have our friends from Tatooine Sons and Mr. Robin Vogt from the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network on to talk about solo so we're looking forward to doing our top three bottom three for that so stay tuned and until next time batch eight i hope the podcast you just listened to and all other clashing sabers productions are the intellectual property of clashing sabers.net all sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff and we just use different informational and educational purposes bottom line we made it it's ours they made it it's theirs seems simple but if you're still confused feel free to email us at clashing sabers network at gmail.com we have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.
just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe.